How's it going? Good morning, friends, and welcome to Avenue Church Online. If we have not yet had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Lorenzo Grajeta, and I have the honor of serving here on staff at Avenue Church under a couple of amazing, come on, leaders, visionaries, and pastors. Come on, wherever you're watching from right now, I want to see you commenting in the chat. We love you, Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Lindsay. Come on, we are so grateful for them. And hey, if this is your first time logging on with us, we are so glad that you are here today. We hope you're enjoying the church online experience, and we would love to show you some love today. So do me a big favor and text us at 702-727-8280 or throw it in the comments down below. I'm sure Anissa will connect with you there. You know, we meet online every week on Sundays at 10 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube, but we also gather in person at our Buffalo campus located at 6050 South Buffalo Drive, and we would love to invite you there as well. You know, we are currently in our series, Stories, Stories, Every Decision, writes your story. And this collection of talks has been fantastic. And, you know, as I was studying the concept of stories, I began to reflect on stories that I have read when I was a kid. And I began to think about my favorite authors and the literary tools that they use to tell their stories just right, with just the right amount of seasoning that kept me coming back for more. And I was thinking about how it wouldn't hurt to study a few of these writing techniques myself, as I know that communicating to a youth group, come on, on Thursday nights is very different than communicating to an adult audience on Sunday mornings. Come on, I might have to uh, get a pizza to feed the kids on Thursdays, but you are adults. You need some protein. Come on, some veggies and some carbs to be satisfied. Don't you know it? You need something a bit more intricate. You've eaten pizza before. And you didn't come for delivered pizza today. I came to bring the word of God. So as I began studying these tools and I realized that all of my favorite authors did something very, very well. They all knew how to create tension. They knew how to create tension. You see, the tension is what makes the story good. The tension is what makes the story good. Think about it. Come on, Romeo and Juliet. No one would want to read that book if they had all gotten along and everybody was happy, if they had a big family barbecue every Saturday where Papa Montague and Mr. Capulet exchanged their favorite dry rub recipes and Romeo and Juliet got married and they lived happily ever after and, and that was that, yay! Nuh-uh, no. We want a tense story. We want the tense stuff. We want a story with tension or else it wouldn't have been adapted into, come on, operas and movies and musicals. We wouldn't have Taylor Swift's greatest hits to listen to over and over again. When our friends go through bad breakups, come on, that's actually kind of a, kind of a bad thing there. I, I can do without Taylor Swift, <laughs> but hear me. We want someone to root for. We want them to overcome some stuff because without this tension, the story doesn't capture our attention. But here's the thing I've noticed, just reflecting on my own life and thinking about preparation for this word today, that we like tension in the stories that we read. We just don't like tension in the lives that we live. See, tension is used very often in every good author's toolkit 
as much as their pens are used to write. Tensions are used in movies, in books, in stories. You can have emotional tension, the tension of a mystery, the tension of a task. Come on, winning the game or, you know, even escaping the bad guy. Come on, even the tension of surprise makes the story more interesting. Isn't it funny, though? That people who uh, say that they actually like surprises are usually only talking about, you know, gifts or vacations. Because if we are honest with ourselves, really, come on, like PJ said last week, if we're being honest with ourselves, really, we might just say that we don't actually like surprises all that much. We like the tension and the stories we read. We just don't like it in the lives that we live. No one's over here like, yes, yes, another flat tire on my way to work. That's the third time this month. Uh Uh-uh, no. We don't like surprise bills or the late night phone calls or someone that we love getting a call that they're in the hospital. No, we like tension in the stories that we read. We just don't like it in the lives that we live. But we have to understand that there is a purpose to tension. See, tension is commonly used in writing in order to move the plot line forward or to be used for the development of the main character. Can I be honest with you this morning? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through or where you've been to, but I do know who my God is, and I can promise you that the tension that you're facing right now, right this very moment, in this very season that you find yourself in, is meant for your character development. If your life is a story, we can either choose to lean into the tension and develop our character, or we can ignore it and rob ourselves of the advancement in our plot. You know, I don't want to preach a whole message before I preach a whole message today, so let's go ahead and dive into prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. I honor you. I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful that you are a redemptive father that our story, no matter how bad it's been up to this point, Father God, you are a redeemer and you are an author and you want to rewrite our story. That with every decision that we make, we write our stories, but with better decisions come fewer regrets. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this day. And everybody under the sound of my voice said amen and amen and amen. Come on, type it in the chat. Amen today. Come on. You know, we've been doing a fantastic job navigating through this uh, life already life-changing collection of talks. When we took a deep dive into our series launch two weeks ago, where we talked about emotional decisions, where we zoomed way out on the microscope of our present circumstances or the lens of our lives. If you're into photography or videography like me, you probably relate more to the word lens. Um, By the way, if you are, hey, (laughs) we have an awesome team for you to be a part of where we will train you and encourage you and empower you to make a difference. So please, hey, hear me. Don't worry about the tension between where you are and where you think that you need to be personally or spiritually to serve on a team or get in a group here at Avenue Church because we are life-giving and we are all on a journey of next steps. But, but when you take your step into the tension of the, no, the unknown, I can promise you this, that you'll find yourself developing your plot line in your story with the header titled, Making an Eternal difference in the lives of others. Come on, I'm getting fired up this morning, dropping truth before we even get a chance to get into this thing today. But hear me, I am just building the tension. But the the purpose of us last week, taking a zoomed out look at our situation 
was to gain a better perspective on how every decision writes our story. Every decision we make affects those around us. Come on, that message was so good. You're already on Facebook and YouTube right now. Come on, click back to the last week's message and the week before. You really need to get into this series. I believe it is powerful. It is life-changing and you owe it to yourself today. You know, then we jumped into week two and talked about spark notes. Spark notes, where we, where we asked ourselves, what story do we want to tell? What story do we want to tell? And I believe that if we uh, look at our story, if we actually take time to pause and look ahead and ask, what story do I want to tell? We would absolutely be making better decisions and having fewer regrets. And now here we are in week three, asking ourselves the question, is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Today, I want to talk to you about three tensions that deserve your attention today. If you're taking notes, three tensions that deserve your attention. Help me out here. I'm going to give it to you like God gave it to me by looking at the story of Jonah. Jonah. Now, it's not a long book. It's not a long story, but I believe if we pause and pay attention to the tensions found in Jonah's story, we are going to get a full course meal this morning. Amen. Come on. Amen. Type that in the chat in the comments. We're getting fed today. Come on. Now, before we get into the text, I want to give you the context or the spark notes, if you will, of this story. See, Jonah was a prophet of God in the year 793 BC. He served under King Jeroboam II, when Israel was in great conflict with Assyria, whose capital was none other than Nineveh. Now, these dudes in Nineveh, they were some bad dudes. They were bad dudes and dudettes. The Bible says they flaunted their power to God and the world through acts of heartless cruelty. Think like Karate Kid and those dudes are Cobra Kai, cheating and winning and violent and evil. Well, God decided sometime between 793 B.C., and 785 BC to say, hey, Jonah, Jonah, my boy, I want you to go there and I want you to preach them and tell them about who I am. And you do know what Jonah did? He turned right around, Nineveh being in the east, Nineveh being in the east here and headed straight up west. He headed straight up west to Tarshish. See, we went in the, he went into the opposite direction. He ran from God, he got on a boat, he headed to Tarshish, Tarshish. <laughs> he headed to Tarshish and he said, I am out of here. You know, scripture then shows us that Jonah is caught in a storm on a large boat and spark notes, because we will get there in a minute. These dudes who he's on the boat with, they end up throwing him overboard where he gets swallowed by a large fish. Plot twist. Come on. And he spit out on a beach where God asked him once again to go and speak to the Ninevites. And so he does. And as he speaks to the Ninevites, they repent and God shows them compassion and mercy. And to finish out our spark notes this morning, the book ends with Jonah annoyed and angry while the city of Nineveh was spared and its people rejoicing in salvation. See, there are three main points of tension I want to discuss with you today that we will find in this story that I believe that if we just assume that we've got this story all figured out, that we would miss, we could miss the tension that deserves our attention. The first one being, if you're taking notes this morning, write down the words inward tension, inward tension. So this is the tension where we deal 
with ourselves. This is the tension where we deal with ourselves. We often miss the opportunity sometimes to address the internal tension when we don't deal with ourselves. You know, I can think of many moments in my life where I've had a gut check before making a decision, and I'm sure you can too. You know, experts sometimes refer to this feeling as a red flag moment where we feel like, I'm not sure why, but something about this doesn't feel right. A moment, if you will, of inward tension, tension from the inside. You know, in this busy time that we live in, we have busy schedules, busy weeks, busy phones on our busy bodies that sometimes we miss the tension on the inside. You know, I think that so often we may not be choosing to subconsciously hit the mute button on our reg flag moments, but if we are honest with ourselves, really, we would admit that we are a little like Jonah and we're intentionally ignoring these red flag moments. See, what I know about Jonah is when he became a prophet, I know his city of origin, I know the king who he ruled at the time, and I know the years that he was a prophet for. And the same Jonah who ran from God is the same Jonah who thought he was superior to the Gentiles. He thought he was better than them. He hated the Ninevites, not just because of who they were, he hated them because of his own prejudice and self-righteousness. He took Deuteronomy 14.12 way too far. It says, for you are a holy people to Yahweh, your God, and God has chosen you to be his treasured people from all the nations that are on the face of the earth. And instead of pausing and asking himself, why does this bother me? You know, I love God. I want to obey God, but I don't agree with this decision. He ran and friends, we can't be like Jonah. We have to stop and ask ourselves, why, why, why don't I agree? Why does this bother me? If Jonah would have stopped to ask why, he could have addressed his inward tension. He would have dealt with his prejudice and his self-righteousness, and he wouldn't have been running. But he wasn't just running from God. He was running from himself. Don't be Jonah. Type it in the chat this morning. Say it to your digital neighbor in the comments. Come on. Don't be Jonah. Don't be Jonah. You know, I want to ask you something today. What inward tension deserves my attention? What inward tension deserves my attention? What bothers you? What's the thing that you don't like to talk about? Not about them, not about what bothers you about them. What bothers you about you? What bothers you about you? See, we like the tension in the stories we read, but we don't like the tension in the lives that we live. And as much as we like to believe it, if we don't deal with the inward tension we will find it bleeding into outward relationships. This brings us to the outward tension. I don't want us to miss the outward tension, the tension that we get from others when we don't deal with the tension inside of ourselves. You know, as I was getting ready to film this online version of the message this week, you know, I got up on Thursday morning and I started packing my lunch. And one thing you have to know about me is I am a leftovers guy. I love leftovers. I will eat it cold, hot, microwave, in the oven. I don't care. I'm just hungry. And as I was browsing through the fridge on Thursday morning, I go to pull this bowl out to take with me. And Alita, my very loving wife, said to me, are you really going to eat that? It's been there for a week. And it kind of just made me like, you know, second guess my, my choices that morning. Because if I didn't listen to her, 
I might have actually been hurting myself. Kind of like when your mama would tell you growing up about the boyfriend or, you know, the girlfriend that you were dating at the time who just wasn't good for you, how they could possibly hurt you or how you could even hurt yourself. I believe that sometimes we don't see the tension until someone brings it to our attention. Sometimes we think the tension that we're dealing with only affects us. But oftentimes, attention spills into our relationships and can not only hurt us, but it can hurt those around us. And here we find Jonah in chapter 1, verse 6, asleep on a boat as it's being tossed about in a storm, unaware that what he was running from was actually hurting those around him. Let's look at verse 6. So the captain went down after him and he said, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. May he, maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you What is your line of work? What country are you from? Come on, they want all the questions answered here. What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard heard this for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned, oh, why? Why did you do it? And as the storm got worse, they asked, what should we do? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. It will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. I want you to catch something here. See, Jonah was asleep because his decision didn't weigh on his conscience. It wasn't until his inward tension was exposed that he realized that it affected those around him. Can I ask you a question today, church? Do you have an inward tension that is affecting those around you? Something you think that only affects you. Something only you know about. We need to not only ask ourselves, why is this bothering me? But we need to ask, how is this affecting everyone else? If we choose to ignore the outward tension, we will miss the opportunity for character development. This brings us to our final tension, the most important tension that I want us to look at today. And it's the godly tension, the godly tension, the tension that occurs when God wants to make you more like him. See, Jonah found himself in a tension with God. All throughout the story, we find Jonah wrestling with the command that God gave him. But he also struggled with the tension of how he saw the Ninevites. His internal prejudice blinded him from the moral of the story. He was too focused on how he was better than them and how evil they were and how much he didn't like them and how much they didn't deserve it. Don't we do that sometimes? If we are honest with ourselves, really? See, God was trying to get Jonah to see the Ninevites, how he saw the Ninevites, just like he wants to show us how he sees us and he wants to show us that he loves us just as much as as he loves the people that we hate. He loves us just as much as he loves the people that we hate. See, chapter four, 
uh, verse one continues. Didn't I say, this is, this is Jonah speaking to God here, just so you know. This is Jonah speaking to God. He said, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That this, this is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get, get angry and filled with unfailing love. My goodness, you are eager to turn back from, the destroy, from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. Just kill me now, Lord, he said. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Friends, Jonah was willing to die on the sword of his preference instead of God's preference. I want to ask you today, are we so stuck to our own decisions that we are willing to die on our own swords rather than becoming more like Jesus? You see, when we don't, when we have these tensions that don't align with the nature of God, he will use the plot to create a tension to make you more like him. You know, I was so frustrated uh, here, you guys. I was looking at Jonah's life and this whole story, and I was literally yelling to myself, come on, Jonah, come on, not like this. <laughs> I want you to turn right now to your neighbor and tell them in the comments once again, don't be a Jonah. Don't be a Jonah. Friends, I don't want you to be Jonah. I want you to be Dunatos. I want you to be Dunatos. We are strong. It is possible because our God is able. Come on, we're still on that all year long. Dunatos. Well, we have to pause and feel these tensions. We have to pause and feel these tensions. It's okay to be feeling these tensions, friends, because in actuality, we have to feel the tension in order to develop our character. But, but our character is only developed when we submit our nature to his. So we can be more like him. God wants to make you more like him. See, Jonah was happy when God saved him, but he was angry when Nineveh was saved. Though the plot in his story it advanced, he was still stuck in the same small mindset that caused him to run in the first place. Jonah was ignoring the lessons of God's mercy and forgiveness. You see, God's forgiveness wasn't for Jonah or Israel alone. It was for Nineveh, and it's for you, and it's for me as well. If Jonah would have paused and said, why is this bothering me? Why is God placing this on my heart? I believe his story would have been much different. He would have made better decisions and had fewer regrets if he stopped and paid attention to the tension. You know, as I close today, I was thinking about it this week. What a wonderful opportunity and an honor it is to be here with you, even online communicating the word of God. You know, I found myself with a grateful heart. I'm grateful for a lot of things in my life. I'm so grateful for our pastors. I am grateful for their obedience to God by planting Avenue Church. They listened to the godly tension. God said, go, and they said, yes. You and I would not be here today online, come on, in our room at Opportunity Village at our Buffalo campus on March 14th in the year 2021 if they had not said yes. They did not turn away and run to Tarshish. They planted a life-giving, 
people-loving, hope-dealing, world-changing church in the Southwest of Las Vegas, and our lives have never been the same since. Come on, I am so glad that you guys, Pastor Jeremy and Lindsay, you're watching this later today, but I'm so glad y'all didn't get swallowed up by a fish and spit out over here preaching to all of us in Nineveh, Nevada. Come on, church, do me a favor, type it in the comments. Let's give them some honor today. They deserve it. I am grateful for it. My family is grateful for it. I'm grateful that they said, why is this bothering me? Why the Southwest, God? Why have you placed this on our hearts? God said, go, and they said, yes. And I believe it was so you and I could be here today, each and every one of us. And hey, maybe you're here today and you're dealing with the third tension, a tension between your nature and God's nature. Maybe there's a wall between you and Jesus today, a tension where God never actually intended there to be one. I wanna encourage you today that God wants to rewrite your story. He wants to develop you to be more like him. He wants to mark your story with redemption, not defeat, restoration, not condemnation. If that's you and you're saying, yes, that's me through the screen right here. That's me. I want more and I need Jesus. I want to invite you to write the next step in your story and accept Jesus into your heart today. If that's you with every head bowed and every eyes closed and respect to those that are in your living room or hanging out with you this morning, if that's you and you're saying, yes, that's me, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Would you join me in praying this prayer? Say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for paying for what I did. I receive your forgiveness. Forgive me of my sins and be Lord of my life. Be number one with all my heart, the best way I know how. I am going to live for you. I now know who I am. I am saved. I am redeemed. Come on. I am a child of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. I see you typing in the comments right now. Let us know if that was you and you gave your life to Jesus today. We would love to celebrate you. Come on, church. Give them a huge round of applause today. Yes and amen in the comments if that was you. I want to encourage you though. Text us. If you accepted Jesus today, text us at 702 727 8280. And we would love to connect with you, send you some resources today. And church, I love you. I thank you for your time today. We will see you back next week. We love you. We'll see you then.